So, <laughs> uh, how many have uh, how many have opened presents already today? Has anybody done that? Okay, a, a few of us. All right. Uh, d- is anybody excited about what they opened up? Is anybody okay? So, somebody tell us what what did you open up today? What what exciting thing did you get this morning? A a doggy. Okay, I hear a doggy. A wee. Oh my goodness. I'm coming to your house today for lunch. Can we all come over? That'd be fun. Who else? I cannot hear a thing. What's that? Ah, oh, Nintendo DSi. That sounds awesome. Yes, sir. A transformer. Anybody over here? Anybody open up? Any grown-ups open up anything cool? Or was it just for kids today? A what? A camera? Oh. Oh, man, that sounds awesome. Absolutely awesome. Well, uh, how many of you have ever had this experience where you open up something on Christmas Day and you're super excited about it? You know, it's like, oh, mom and dad, I can't believe you got me this. Or, oh, honey, this is just so great and so incredible. And then like six months later... You kind of find that, pre- you like stub your toe on that present in a closet or something like that, right? You know, this, where this thing that you were so excited about, and then just several months later, it's like, oh yeah, I got that. I, I kind of forgot about that present along the way. Well, several years ago, we, um, we made a move around Christmas time. And, uh, and, and I went from a job where I needed to wear business casual every day in the office to a job where I was going to be, uh, it was going to be okay to wear jeans a little more often. And so I had some very generous family members who gave me several pairs of Dockers that year for Christmas because they got those for me before the move. So then I moved and, and didn't need to wear them as much. And it was like a year later, I was doing something in our closet and I found these several pairs of Dockers that were all still in the plastic you know, and then that feeling of like, oh no, what have I done? And then I went through, you know, losing about 35 pounds over a couple of years and now it wouldn't even fit in them anyway. So this year we're excited that we're just going to give those to a ministry in town or something like that, right? I mean, but we've probably all had this experience where this gift that seemed to mean so much when you got it just doesn't mean quite as much later on. And today we want to talk about a gift that you can't break, and a gift that you won't forget about, and a gift that we don't want to take back. Now, does anybody, maybe somebody under five feet tall, does anybody have any idea what gift we might talk about today? Anybody? You can shout it out. This one I think I'll understand if you say it loudly. Huh? Jesus, yes. All right, now, for a a whole lot, like a thousand super bonus points today that you can redeem with Mr. Justin next week in Children's (laughs) Church, for whatever he's going to give you for bonus points. Does anybody know what chapter out of the Bible we'd probably read to learn about this gift of Jesus? Anybody? Luke 2. All right, all of you who said Luke 2 can have a thousand bonus points. And next week at church, you can ask Mr. Justin what he's going to give you for your thousand bonus points, okay? It'll be great. You're welcome, Justin. <laughs> All right, so we're going to look at Luke 2. If you've got uh, one of the Bibles from the chairs in front of you, uh, that's page 724. Uh, Luke is uh, the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read um, this Christmas story here. Here's what it says. Uh, Luke 2, 
uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his town to register. Now, most of us probably know there's a little bit of backstory that's happened here, right? You know, there's been an angel that's come to visit Mary and said, Oh, Mary, guess what? This is going to be a pretty incredible day. You're going to have the Savior of the world. And then that angel has to go. We have to have a visit with Joseph to tell him know that everything's going to be okay. Well, they get married, and everybody has to go back to their homeland to register, basically so they can register for taxes, because even in the first century world, you couldn't avoid taxes. So they go back to their homeland, and here's what it says in verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, it's about a 70-mile trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which to us nowadays seems like, well, that's not that big of a deal. But in the last month of a pregnancy on the back of a donkey, a 70-mile trek from one place to another is probably a pretty big journey for them to take. And I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm sure just like just like me, you probably think of, of so many of the dramatic presentations that we make about this story, right? You know, of, of this family going door to door and looking for a place, and there's no room here, and there's no room there, and then, you know, and we have all these stories about this innkeeper who is so kind to them and lets them stay, and, and, uh, and it's interesting to think that really the, the Bible story itself is pretty brief. I mean, we just have this, in fact, really the only uh, the only evidence we have here of the stable idea is the manger that gets mentioned in this story. And, and those, um, those stable-type areas uh, came in a couple forms in the first century world. Sometimes it was like a two-level house where there were rooms upstairs kind of that you would stay in, and then the animals were kept below. Or sometimes I think our, our paintings and our pictures and stuff depict the idea of, of, a, of a house where people would stay with kind of an outbuilding out back. But uh, actually, early traditions held mostly that, that, um, that these buildings would back up to a cave and that, that it's quite possible that Jesus was born into a cave where they would have kept animals and stuff like that. But whatever the exact location, one thing is clear. The Savior of the world is born into pretty humble circumstances, isn't he? Well, verse 8 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now what's interesting is in this time of the year... Um, these shepherds, you know, this wasn't the kind of the key time for shepherds to be out watching their flocks and stuff. Um, what, is, what is most likely here is that shepherds who have been around uh, the town of Bethlehem at this time were probably raising up sacrificial lambs that when they became full grown were going to head off to Jerusalem to be sacrificed. It's kind of an interesting little foreshadowing thing that happens here for the birth of the Savior, right? 
And I wonder, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know about your family traditions, maybe since you were a little kid, you have been reading this story every Christmas morning or several times in December or, or whatever, but uh, sometimes I wonder if we, who grow up in church at least, or we have been around for a while, read the story so much that we kind of lose sight of just how incredible it is. I mean, did you ever just stop and think about kind of the absurdity of this all, that, that here's the Son of God who is fully God becoming fully man as well, that he chooses to come here as a helpless baby. Has anybody ever been around a birth? Now, uh, you know, it is, it is the most incredible experience that I have ever been a part of to be by my wife's side, and I have never had more respect or love for her than on those two days to see what she gave for our family. And yet, okay, the birth of a baby in a stable is probably not quite this little, you know, quiet, happy no, nothing major is happening kind of picture that we sometimes paint. And with all due respect to some of our Christmas songs like Away in a Manger, you know, that has that line, no crying he makes. Well, actually, babies cry. They cry a lot, don't they? And if anything, I mean, I would think that the Savior of the world might cry more than other babies because he had more to say than the rest of them. I don't know, okay? <laughs> and then I think about this. I think, when did he know? I mean, really, when did he know everything? When did Jesus know the Old Testament that was available to them? When did he know about your sin and mine? When did he know about this mission that he had been given? When did he know that that this beautiful moment we sing about, listen to some of these lyrics that we sing. Okay, we sing, yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Noel, 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 born as the king of Israel. Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn king. When did he know that that moment would lead to these lyrics? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. See from his head his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow. That's blood. Sorrow and love flow, mingled down. Did ever, did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown. Thorns compose so rich a crown. And this last one. Oh, how precious is the flow. Remember, blood. Oh, how precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It adds a little bit of perspective to this whole thing, doesn't it? So why? Why would he go through the birth? Why would he endure the cross? Do we understand? It's for you. It's for you and the people who are sitting close to you in these chairs and those that you might go visit later on today and and the trip you might take to Disney this week and And those that you invited but weren't able to come this weekend for you. This gift was given. This gift of grace. And literally this word grace means a gift that makes glad. 
It, it, it sometimes drives me crazy. We spend so much time uh, around the holiday season, you know, just kind of railing on, on all the gifts and the commercialism and everything else. And, and for sure, do some people go way overboard? Yes. And, and do some people forget what it's all about? Sure thing. But I guess what I never want to miss is that this whole Christmas holiday is actually about a gift, right? I mean, it is really about a gift that makes glad. And it's for boys, and it's for girls, and it's for men, and it's for women, and it's for naughty and nice alike, and you do not want to know what it costs. It's a gift. And our question is, I know for a fact that this gift of grace will be the best gift that you will receive this Christmas season. The question is, will it be the best gift that you give to someone else? And does you, giving this gift of grace, require a phone call maybe? An email? A handwritten note? A visit somewhere? How will you offer one just tiny fractional percent of the grace that has been bestowed, lavished upon you. People in your life need more grace. Your boss needs more grace. Your coworkers, the people you go to school with, the, your employees, your customers, the kid down the street, your spouse, the annoying neighbor, your meddling in-laws, the family life team, all right? All of us need more grace. People in your life need you to show them what that grace looks like. And this isn't the kind of gift that people will be bored with by January 1st. And it is certainly not the kind of gift that will end up in a garage sale in July. Grace is one of the few gifts that I think we actually hope our kids will return, right? Ephesians 2 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. See, you got something that you didn't deserve precisely so that you would share it and so that people in your life wouldn't get what they do deserve. Here's your assignment that we want to give you today for this week, all right? We want to challenge families and single people and kids and moms and dads and grandparents and everybody else. Our challenge is... How can you commit this week that once each day you'll find a way to show grace to someone else? And maybe, maybe it is, okay, I am going to, you know, anyone who wrongs me today, I'm going to figure out a way not to react in the normal, typical, harsh way that I might. Or maybe you think before the day even starts and you say, instead of being reactive, I'm going to be proactive And I'm going to find one person that I can extend love and grace to today. Maybe it's a random act of kindness, or maybe it's a repeated act of love. I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm just asking you to change someone's day, one time each day this week. And kids, this is a great opportunity to hold your parents accountable, okay? Every night before bed, you can ask, did you, did you show somebody grace today? Because I bet if they remember, they'll ask you. Listen, we have been given a gift. We have been given a gift that makes glad. And our question is, how will we take that gift 
and spread this incredible holiday cheer and, and love and grace to everyone that we come into contact with. Let's pray. God, you, you have blessed us so much more than we could have asked or imagined. God, you have given us an incredible gift of your son. It is incredible that he lived his life and we had that to learn from. And God, it is incredible that he gave his life so that we could enjoy life with you. God, we, we ask you in, in this Christmas season where sometimes it's so easy for our focus to be so many other places, God, help us to remember the grace that's been given and help us to extend that out to everybody we come into contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what I need everyone to do this morning. I would like for everyone to stand up, okay? And I'd love for everyone to lock arms or hold hands with your children, but I want everyone connected on this, okay? So, so bridge the aisles, get mixed in, get nice and cozy, Okay? Perfect. Looking good. All right. Jesus came those years ago because God saw this. God saw a group of people united as a church. God saw a community that worshiped him, and he wanted to do anything in his power because he saw this to give us the gift that Jason was talking about, to give us the gift of eternal life. But I'm thankful that the Christmas story doesn't end with Jesus' birth. Jesus lived a life, then he wrote down, and words were written about him, and he spoke words that still impact us to this day. And because of those words and empowering other people, they went out and started churches. And they went out and started showing the love and telling the story of Jesus Christ. But the story didn't end there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Jesus came to this earth because he saw this and loved us so much that he was willing to die He was willing to die so we did not have to. He was willing to die up on the cross, mocked, made fun of, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace. All these names we sing about Him in Christmas was up on the cross because He loved us. But the story didn't end there. For three days, Jesus, being very man, died and rose again and conquered death for you and me because he envisioned this. So today as you take communion, there are communion stations all around the room. I would love if as a family, and if all your family's not here, go find one. Adopt someone into your family and get into circles or groups and thank the Lord for the gift that he gave us this day and for conquering death so that that is not even an option for us. All we have to do is accept that gift into our life, and death is no option.